Welcome again to uh, our series as we continue Make Work Matter. I'm Ryan, one of the pastors here, and we also want to say welcome to those of you watching in the parent viewing room. And that's a great place to go if you have little ones that get fussy during the service. Right beyond our donuts and coffee, you can find that room there where you can watch the service live with us. Well, right inside of your bulletin should be some message notes. Why don't you go ahead and grab those and grab the pen. And uh, we're going to get right into this morning. This series has been so much fun, for me at least, to be able to hear from uh, some different business leaders here at Riverway. And last week we heard from Stephanie Bitterman as she shared about insecurity in our workplace and how confidence can really come from God the one who gave us the talents and the abilities in the first place. And so if you did not listen to that last week or you couldn't be here, I would encourage you to listen online. I think that will help you a lot. But we know that we're all busy, right? I mean, some of you are so busy at work, you can relate to this. Let's show this, right? Look at all this work I haven't done yet, right? Some of you, how many of you feel like you're drowning at work all the time? You just feel like you're drowning. Anyone ever feel like they're just drowning at work, right? And then there's others of you that work as little as possible. And you relate to something like this. I wonder how much work I'll have to do today to make it look like I actually did work today, right? How many of you, no, don't raise your hand. Okay, that would not be good. Don't raise your hand, right? Well, today we want to talk about that regardless of how busy you are at work, what is our role in faith in the workplace? And how do these two things intersect? And what would God ask of us in how we represent the relationship that we have with him. And so today I'm super excited that uh, Cass Lundgren is going to come and share with us about this topic. Uh, Cass graduated from the United States Military Academy at West Point in 1995 with a double major in philosophy and pre-law. While at West Point, Cass was awarded the Commandant's Award for finishing in the top 20% of his class academically, physically, and militarily. He also became, listen to this, only the third cadet in the Academy's 200-year history to letter in three NCAA sports for the Army team, football, baseball, and wrestling. And I think we got one of his football pictures. Look at that guy. You were handsome back then. That was awesome. All right. Upon graduation, Cass was commissioned as the second lieutenant in the United States Army and attended flight school in Fort Rucker, Alabama, where he graduated from flight school as an Apache helicopter pilot and was awarded an early company command as a first lieutenant. His unit served in Operation Southern Watch in Kuwait for nine months and was decorated at three different times for his leadership. And in 2001, he accepted a job as a supervisor with Vision Ease Lens. This is a company that makes lenses for eyewear. Fourteen years and nine promotions later, Cass is now the Vice President of Global Operations, which last year did over $120 million in sales. His sales team consists of more than 1,200 people here in Ramsey, Minnesota, Jakarta, Indonesia, and Bangkok, Thailand. But maybe most importantly, Cass has spent the last 10 years volunteering here in our community as a coach for many different sports teams, and he's also the football director for the CDAA. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, wild applause for Mr. Cass Lundgren. Cass, come on. Come on, wild applause, wild applause. Okay. Well, thanks for being here, man. This is good. Thank you. Yeah. So I was joking with Cass. I said, you know, I'm going to read this, and, you know, people are going to think I'm making it up or something. I mean, man, you've lived like nine lives already. And look at you, are only like 29 years old, right? Something like that? I think the gray hair would say different. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right, so tell us which is harder, uh, learning to fly a helicopter 
or learning to be a vice president that cares about people? This is a loaded question. Okay, let me look at my notes and see what I'm supposed to say. (laughs) Definitely flying a helicopter, Ryan. That's right, that's right. I think we've actually got a picture of you in the chopper up there. Uh, That is Cass in the cockpit up there, and that's the helicopter from a shot. Man, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Well, we know that, um, you know, as we jump into this, we know that working with people uh, that we don't get to choose, right, can oftentimes create its challenges for us. Anyone ever have a challenge with anyone they work with? Anyone ever? Right, yeah, you're like, today? Yeah, okay. Um, but, you know, we, it also creates this unique opportunity for our faith to shine through. And I'm just wondering about your faith journey. I know that you've had um, faith from a young boy. You had a great experience in the Catholic Church. You had a wonderful priest. Uh, you even, through the Army, had an incredible friendship with the chaplain there. Uh, but what was faith like for you growing up? Yeah, so growing up, I don't have the Catholic horror stories or anything like that. They were all very good um, and had a great priest, like you said, that was a mentor and father of football. In fact, I wanted to be a priest till about the eighth grade, and then I discovered girls, and that (laughs) that didn't work out so well. Kind of wrecks the plans. Right, right, right. So, but um, yeah, my mom always kept, whether it was prayers for athletes, and she was always into prayer. Um, in fact, I think I, uh, uh, when I was 13 and 14, and I'm going through this as a dad right now where I have a 14-year-old, um, you know how you know everything at that age. Yes. I'm, I'm sure we got into an uh, argument at home, and I ran away, um, but I ran to the priest's house. So, yeah. so, and, um, and we watched, I think, Monday night football, and he'd asked me if I wanted a glass of water or something, and then he called my parents and said, just so you know, Cass is over here. <laughs> And, and after the game, then he said, okay, you ready to go? And I said, yeah, let's go home. So, so he brought me home. So that, that's, for me, it was, uh, I, I was close in my faith from the time I was a small kid. And, and all the time growing up, whether it was being nervous in a tunnel before an Army-Navy game or um, before an interview or a test or anything deploying overseas, of course, everyone's faith gets very strong when you deploy. Yeah. Um, just saying a prayer to God and having him bring peace into your heart or talking in front of people like today. Yeah. And you're right. I told them last week, I said, you're a scary bunch to get up in front of and talk to. Very right. intimidating people around here. Uh, but Cass and Jessica, you know, they've been coming to Riverway for the last uh, two plus years now and have just been an incredible part of our church family here. And, um, you know, I know that because faith has been important to you, you know, and you're in a company now that's a very large company, right? You have plants all over the world. I would imagine that there are limitations that you have at times about talking about God in the workplace. Am I right? What does that look like? For yeah, you? absolutely. And so you had mentioned we have plants in Jakarta, Indonesia, um, you know, 800 plus workers over there, and 90% of them are Muslim. So yeah. the Bible doesn't preach too well over there. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, in um, Bangkok, Thailand, uh, 90% of the workforce there is Buddhist. In fact, we have a Buddhist, uh, like, prayer area and everything like that. Uh, And even here in the U.S., uh, you wouldn't want to pull out your Bible and start preaching to people uh, out of it at at the workplace. Yeah, I mean, especially since we live in such a politically correct society nowadays and people are, you know, a little nervous about, you know, talking about faith or things very personal to them with those kinds of limitations. And in the culture in which we're in, how would you say the best way to let Christ light shine through you at work? What does that look like for us? 
Yeah, and it can be a little difficult because if you're a teacher at a school or you even work in the school system, we know we can't pray in, yeah. the, in the schools. And, and like I said, uh, at the workplace, if you pulled out your Bible and started preaching Sermon on the Mound, you'd probably receive some kind of reprimand uh, for that. So, um, And that's why I'm glad because, you know, obviously we can't do that. But God's word gives us a little bit of insight into maybe a different path, right? And we, and we actually, this is one of the verses that you picked out, which I love, John 15, 9 through 12, and it says this. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. This is Jesus talking. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that your joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. What does that verse mean to you? Right. Well, and that brings us to our fill-in. You know, I think the best way for us to let Christ's light shine in the workplace is to love others. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we're really kind of getting to the meat of this right away. This is the best way to let Christ's light shine, especially in an environment that we talked about, right, where you can't necessarily be overt maybe about your faith. And, and there's all kinds of different work environments. We had Bruce sharing the first week, right, because he's the owner of the company, certainly, you know, and he's a born-again Christian himself, right, certainly he can set parameters for his own work environment, but not everyone is in that kind of work environment. And so you're saying the best way is if we let Christ's love shine through us. He talks about loving others, and so, you know, I think that that can even be more impactful than preaching, right? It's more important than just getting on a stage and saying something. And that's why Jesus gives us lots of different instructions, like don't judge people, right? Give to the needy, uh, love our enemies, turn the other cheek. Uh, would you agree with some of that? Yeah, because I'm, I'm sure all of us have our work enemies, right? Or people who persecute us at work, so we're challenged there. Yeah. And we may be tempted at times to judge other people, yeah. right? Uh, and, and there's plenty of times uh, where people are in need and we have that opportunity to give to people in the workplace. Um, so that actually kind of gets to our second fill-in here, uh, which is the actions of love are far more important than just words of love. So it, there's a little Let, adage. Yeah, but let's just pause on that real quick. So the actions of love are more important than the words of love. Because, I mean, if we, if we have an honest moment, right, a lot of us, I mean, we would, okay, I'll speak for me, and then we'll just see if you join in with me, all right? I have a whole lot easier time giving words of love than necessarily actions of love. And I, I'm sure you guys don't ever struggle with that, but sometimes I struggle with that. Um, and this is a real important, I think, key to this, is differentiating between actions and words. And you gave just a great illustration about a sports athlete sometimes, and I chuckled at this, but I wanted you to share about that. Yeah, because we see it now all the time because sometimes faith sells, right, in the workplace or in, in the media now. Yeah. And you'll all the time have athletes that will say, well, first, before anything else, I want to say all the praise and honor and glory go to God. Right. Okay, and that sounds nice, but then the next day we're reading about the same person uh, in the newspaper that, or I guess on the Internet, that uh, got a DUI with his mistress in the uh, passenger seat and had an uh, illegal firearm possession, right? right. I mean, it, it, but before they said all the praise and honor and glory go to God. Right, so words are kind of cheap, right? right? And we see that a lot maybe sometimes in the sports world, people are doing that. But you actually, you uh, gave a really interesting quote from uh, an atheist philosopher named Frederick Nietzsche. 
Is that correct? Am I saying that right? That's right. And yeah. I, I studied philosophy. It's not like I study a bunch of atheist philosophers, just so you know. Okay. Well, but, but, all right, um, we'll give you a pass this one okay, time. Okay, thank you. We'll thank you. Pass. Yeah, but he, he's the one that said God is dead. And, and I think someone made a shirt that on the front it said God is dead, Nietzsche. And on the back it said Nietzsche is dead, God, which was right. kind of funny. you know. <laughs> but but um, either way. You'll get it tomorrow. <laughs> You'll get it tomorrow. It's good. Um, yeah, but either way, uh, he had said I'd be a lot more willing to believe in your Redeemer if his followers acted a little more redeemed. Yeah. And That's an impactful statement. Right. Yep. And so that kind of leads to our next fill-in, which is um, if we would model Christ's love for others, we may be able to make an impact mm-hmm. on people's lives. Right. So we're really talking about this words versus actions thing, how we can say one thing, and it's really easy at church, right, to be all about words of love and, oh, yeah, we're this and we're that. But then the rubber meets the road Monday morning when we drive in and all of a sudden we remember the one coworker that gave us that attitude on Friday and they didn't do this and now I've got to clean up that and here we go again with the unexpected and suddenly we're forced with some decisions, right? We're forced with what we're going to do. Are we going to act in love or are we just going to say it with words? And I think that's what Jesus was trying to get to here in John 13, 34, When he said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, now don't miss this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you will love one another. Now, I mean, this really wasn't a new command. Jesus is just saying, hey, I want you to look at this in a new way, right? That now you're going to be held responsible, right? In the Old Testament, oftentimes they were held responsible for the letter of the law, right? Ten commandments, all those things. And, and Jesus is just trying, kind of twisting the script a little bit and saying, listen, now here's a new command for you. In other words, it's just as important. In fact, it's the most important. I want you to love me, but then also love one another. And this will be how people know, how people know that you're my followers by your love for one another. So here's my next question for you, Cass. Um, How does this work in real time, right? At work, I mean, does this mean we go around and start hugging everyone and saying I love you every day? Or, I mean, what does that look like? Yeah, that probably wouldn't work so well if you do that. All right, so Um, don't do that. Physical touch in the workplace may not be. (laughs) So so, um, I think think Jesus gave us a little bit different guidance (laughs) on that. And actually, if we follow his roadmap, um, that would be a great start probably in the workplace. Okay, so you br- mentioned this scripture, which a lot of us are very familiar with 1 Corinthians 13. You know, it's the love chapter. Uh, verses 1 through 8, it just says, If I speak in the tongues of men or a- of an- of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And then he goes on to describe it. Love is patient. Love is kind. Doesn't envy. Doesn't boast. Not proud. Does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And oftentimes... You know, we think about this in a marriage or relationship context, but really this is a lens even for our workplace, how we love one another. What does this verse mean to you? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that it, it just says have confidence in that. The last line, love never fails. 
Um, I tend to look at things a little bit through a leadership uh, framework, but no matter what your position or title is at work, um, I think following God's guidance there will help us. And with how, how do we practically uh, apply love in the workplace? I think the first thing, and this is a fill-in, is think of others before ourselves. Think of others before ourselves. So this is kind of our, okay, this is what we're going to focus on. Think of others before ourselves. So where do, we, where do we begin with this? Yeah, so Bruce and Stephanie kind of talked about attitude, humility. That's what Bruce had talked about. And then Stephanie had kind of talked about, you know, putting away our worries and our stresses in our workplace and insecurities. And that really was a great lead in that to that because if we can do those things and mm -hmm. we tend to look with, our, with a good attitude at the goodness in other people, mm -hmm. it just helps us love them. All the, all the easier. And if we are able to let go of all of our insecurities, then we just don't have that baggage. You know, those things, right, we all tend to get wrapped up in that and all of our worries and, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do with this? Yeah. But if we can let that go and then all of a sudden we can start noticing that other people may need us. Absolutely. So this is kind of a lead-in. And you actually talk about a great tool, how to put others before yourselves. And I love this tool that you talked about, um, em emphatic listening. And why don't you uh, describe that for us? Yeah, so what is emphatic listening? Well, it's simply listening with empathy or listening not just with your ears, but yeah. your mind, your heart, and your soul so that you can actually share others' feelings. So, and I'm, I'm sure everyone in here has been in that point yeah. where, where they really just tuned in to someone else and you can feel their pain or their happiness or whatever it is and just, just feel good about that. You know, that's one of the things that I always, uh, one of my jobs as a leader is to kind of be a coach and one of the things that I share with all the employees is they did actual study on this and what they found is great teams and great teams had to last the test of time. Yep. Um, they tried to see what was a common denominator for all those teams that helped them succeed uh, and they found one thing and that was that they cared about their teammates' success as much as their own. And you really can't arrive at each other's success without trying to really hear from one another, right? That, that empathy part of really trying to put yourself in the other person's shoes and hear where they're coming from. And uh, you brought up a great quote by C.S. Lewis, and why don't you read that for us? Yeah, this is one of my favorites because it really makes you think. Because a lot of times people think that humility uh, means that we have our head down and we don't look people in the eye and we're quiet and don't say anything. But C.S. Lewis kind of put it in perspective when he said, true humility is not thinking less of yourself, it is thinking of yourself less. Hmm. Yeah, less often, right? And, you know, we've seen this to be true even in our community, uh, you know, in Champlain and surrounding areas as we have decided to put the community first before ourselves, even as a church, that we've said, you know, we want to bless our community first. That's the most important thing we're doing. Um, because what we've found is that when you walk in empathy and care towards other people, Regardless of what they've been through, it softens their heart. And you know this, right? We all know this. We've had somebody that cared for us when we didn't feel like anyone cared for us. Or we had someone come in at the right moment at the right time and was a listening ear or caring heart. And what did it do? It opened up our heart back to them, did it not? And, and we've seen this again and again in our community as we've put others first 
it has changed their hearts, I think, not only towards, you know, the idea of church or religion in general, but also our prayer is that eventually they would begin to open their heart to God. And I love this next quote, and it's your next fill-in, uh, because it's true that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's a really big deal, and that's kind of what we're talking about in the workplace, of how to put others first. Um, but this is even true from a faith perspective. I have found that there are not many people, right, that really give a rip what you believe or what you think about God or whatever it is until they know that you care about them. That really becomes a pathway for people to know God. Um, and so I think this is a huge thing that you landed on. You know, how do we put others before ourselves? But then number two, just as important, you know, kind of the second practical thing for this, what is it? Yeah, so the, the second thing I would say is after we start focusing on others yeah. is to be a dealer of hope. I like that. Okay. Be a dealer of hope. Yeah, so, and my favorite definition of hope is to expect with confidence um, because it's super powerful. I mean, hope lets us know that no matter how bad things get, mm-hmm. uh, no, uh, you know, whatever we're up against, we, we can overcome it and that it will all work out. Um, I mean, if you think about it, a lot of unhappiness or even wars start uh, in this world because we don't have hope. We get in such a place that we just lose all hope and think that we're backed into a corner and there's no other way out. Um, when you have hope, you never go there. And um, I mean, if you think about Jesus in this sense, meaning the fact that right before he knew he was going to be betrayed and taken to the cross, meaning it was real for him. Mm. He, he knew the pain that was ahead of him. Yeah. Okay. But he also knew what it was going to do for all of us. Yeah. So he was thinking of others. And he had the hope that yeah. the message was, that everything was going to come through. And then on Easter Sunday, he was going to rise. I mean, he knew that. Yeah. He was the ultimate dealer of hope. Right? And he gave that to every single one of us. And now he would look to us to give hope to other people in our workplace, and that's how we can make work matter. Uh, but you shared a great story, because we talked about up front how you've been a coach and done a lot of football teams and stuff. But there was one night in particular that stands out for you that you gave some, your team that needed a little hope at halftime. Share quickly about that. Yeah, the, the, uh, you know, as a coach, and uh, this ends well, but at the beginning it may seem a little harsh, but... We, we were in the uh, playoffs, and we play third and fourth grade league. And so at, this is our first tackle football, so the third graders are quite a bit behind the fourth graders. And most of our team was third graders. In fact, a lot of our key positions were third graders. And there was an undefeated team who had killed us twice during the year, but we had progressed well. And so we got into the game, and at halftime, we were down 12 to 0. They missed both extra points, so we're down 12 to 0. And so kind of my halftime talk was... I challenged the boys and I said, who doesn't believe we can win this game? And as a third grader, one of them raised their hand. (laughs) (laughs) At least he's honest. Yeah, at least he was honest. We are done for. But then, maybe because I did believe in the hope thing, is I told them, then you will not play one down this entire second half. And watch this, Ryan. You should try this. All oh, of a sudden, you're, he's, you're, you're one of those coaches. Yeah, okay. yeah but listen yeah. to this. This wow. would work for you. All of a sudden, he turned around and said, I believe. I believe. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And he did. And he went out there and actually played the best half of football I've ever seen him play. 
And, and funny enough, I went on to tell him, because what's going to happen is we get the kickoff second half, we're going to go down the field and score a touchdown. Then we're going to get the ball, or they're going to get the ball back, we're going to stop them, and we're going to go down, score a touchdown, and win this game. And funny enough, we got the ball, we drove down the field and scored a touchdown. Then we stopped them, we got the ball, and with less than a minute left, we drove 75 yards on all audibles in third and fourth grade. The only bad thing is we stopped on the one-yard line when time expired. No, yeah. they didn't cross the goal line. Yeah, they didn't quite, we didn't quite have enough time, but <sighs> at least they, they believed, and then all of a sudden something happened. Yeah, absolutely. Hope was the difference, and that's what so many people need. And I really think people are hungry for hope, right? Even in our workplaces, they're hungry for something different. And if they can see hope in us, if they can see that we're loving and empathetic towards them, something's going to change as far as their desire to know what's different about us. And when we talk about giving hope to a coworker, right, what does that mean in practical terms? What are some things that we could do? So, again, it's, it's really related to that thinking of others because yeah. then we're attuned to in that emphatic listening and seeing when they, they need help. Um, there's a little thing, feel, felt, found, uh, yeah. that we had kind of talked about that when people feel down in their luck, meaning if you really think about your life and where, because sometimes it's much easier when we're not going through it right. to see the light at the end of the tunnel. So if we can say, I know how you feel, I've felt that way before, but you know what? What I found out is that there's nothing too big, yeah. you know, that it all works out in the end. Yeah. And we kind of talk people through and get them through hard spots because we know we're going to need that help at some point too yeah. um, if we're there to help others when they're going through challenges. I like that, feel, felt, found. I think that's a great analogy for us. Um, you had uh, an example of a, a little bit more serious issue at work with one of your employees, and you had an opportunity to be able to fire this employee and write him off, or you had an opportunity to be a dealer of hope. And I just want you to share that story quick with us. Yeah, so um, uh, we had had a time period at work where we were finding these uh, uh, little fifths of gin, empty bottles in the, the workplace trash can. And, of course, all the supervisors were disturbed and upset, and they said, we got to figure out who this is. And they had it narrowed in, and they came and presented to me and said, we think we know who it is. Uh, we need your help there. So I had come to work, and sure enough, we kind of seen a, a guy that he, he had looked, little bloodshot eyes. He, um, you could kind of smell it as you stayed around there. And then he had a little bulge in his front left pocket. Um, so we did end up bringing him in, in the workplace and he got questioned. I think he knew what was happening and he proceeded to tell me how bad his supervisor was and his supervisor's been out to get him forever and everything. And I said, well, okay, here's the deal. Um, we asked him, you know, you sure you're not on any medication or going through anything? He said, no. And I said, so we can go to Mercy Hospital and we're going to have you do a urinalysis and blood work. Um, or you can pull out that bottle that I think is in your front left pocket. And to my surprise, I didn't bang for this, but all of a sudden, boom, the bottle comes out. And we said, oh, okay. Wow. Um, so, well, what ends up is uh, he had come over from Somalia, and he was a professor in Somalia. Mm -hmm. And now he was doing entry-level hourly work. It was hard for him to deal with. So uh, we got him help. 
Um, and he was able to turn his life around, and now he's working uh, in education for uh, the Somali community in conjunction, I think, with the University of Minnesota. Wow. And he kind of came up and said, thanks for giving, us, giving me a second chance. Uh, and that's all he needed, because he was at a low place, yeah. and he just needed some help to get through it. So the power of hope, right, when someone is at their lowest. And what opportunities do we have to be dealers of hope? Is there anything within our realm of influence that we can be a word of encouragement to someone that, uh, you know, even if we don't feel like necessarily they, you know, deserve it or whatever, how can we put them first and how can we be a dealer of hope? I think these two are huge. And so as we wrap up today and as we, you know, kind of take our takeaway with these two things, I made a statement last week to Stephanie and I said, what if, or is it possible that God put us in our specific workplaces, wherever we're at, whatever job we have, what if he put us there on purpose? What if our interview, what if the road to that job was never an accident? It was never a happenstance. It was, it was never a, oh man, you know, this was an accident that happened. But what if God purposely has put us in our jobs to be this kind of light? What would you say to that? Well, yeah, I mean, in, as you look out in, in the uh, audience, you know, we could have a, a myriad of people that are at different places, meaning some people may say, hey, I can barely spend one more day at my job. I need to get out of there. Other people may have a job that they say, I, I want to do this for the next 20 to 40 years of my life. I love it. Yeah. Um, so either way, um, there's a little adage that I love that says, grow where you're planted, Okay, so, and, and the thing is, is even if we are going to move on from our job, there's yeah. a chance that tomorrow or um, someday you can probably make a difference in someone's life. Um, so uh, if we get our eyes off ourselves and get our eyes on other people and help them by being a dealer of hope, um, we can make that difference, even if it is the worst job we could ever Absolutely. Ever want. And that leads us to our last fill-in, which is people will see Christ in our lives by the way we show love to them even when they deserve it least. And I think that's really what this is about. It's creating a pathway for people. Because I think we'd all say it's true. You know, if, if someone comes and asks you about what's different in your life or about your faith or maybe over lunch you end up having a faith conversation, then you have opportunities to share what Christ has done in your life. You can share about what your life was like before Christ and how you met Christ and where you've been begin to grow and what's you know, been made different in your life. And I think that's what it's all about, um, which leads us to our last scripture verse, Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we put others first, and then we become a dealer of hope. And through that, people are gonna see those good deeds. People are gonna see that light and notice a difference in us. And by that, our actions are speaking much louder than our words. So this is great stuff. Thanks for sharing. Can we just pray together? And I just want to say a prayer over all of us as we head into our work week tomorrow. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for, first of all, the great love that you have shown us. And this morning, we take heed of your command that has instructed us now to love others the way you have loved us. And we know that you are the ultimate dealer of hope when you chose to lay down your life and put us before you. And I pray for all of us that tomorrow morning as we wake up and face another week, that we would walk in with this kind of mindset, 
that I need to put others first. I want to empathize with those around me, thinking that, God, maybe you've put us right in this spot for a reason. Show us how to be a dealer of hope, that we can speak words of encouragement and life into people. And through that, God, they would see such a difference in us, different from the other coworkers, different from our culture, different from the sitcoms they see on TV. They would see something so different in us that we could only point them back to you. And so, God, help us to be this kind of light this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen.